welcome back. Welcome back. Diary of a Therapist. Here we are. We've just had a little um, off air before you get to join us. We've just had kind of a great conversation with our guest today, and I'm so excited to introduce her to you. I really maybe have just decided that this is an opportunity for us to have our friends, <laughs> people we love, come on so you can hear from them. And um, I'm just privileged, I think, it, as most of you are as therapists to get to meet just amazing people and just um, maybe some of them are clients that you work with. This person today is not, this is actually one of my dearest friends, but um, her story lines up so much with what we've been walking through um, when it comes to affairs and um, infidelity and just even like highlighting what that's like as a therapist working with someone in the church. Cause I know some people um, are pastors that listen, but um, this might be a heavy one um, just because I think um, my friend Maureen is real. That's one of the things I love her. My friend Maureen Gray is our guest today. And um, I love her because we've connected and it's like one of those people and you might know how this is, but you sit down with someone kind of like our story that we told about me and Jess. It's like you sit down with someone and you're like, yes, <laughs> like I just want more time with you and I want to know you more and I can't wait for that. Can we do it tomorrow? You know, <laughs> one of those things. So that's how I felt when I met Maureen. And I'm actually going to let you introduce yourself because there's probably a lot of things that you're about and do that I will miss, but I love your authenticity. I love um, how you've poured into my life, how you've been a safe place. Uh, Maureen is a coach, so she coaches people in a lot of different ways, but I just think you've just been um, such a strong pillar, like we were talking about pillars, but just use that word, but just in my life and in my world, always sees um, things just in such a cool way. So I'll let you introduce yourself, Maureen. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. I don't even know how to introduce myself. Um, I'm old. <laughs> She's not. She does old. not look old. <laughs> no, for the I wish you had video. Beautiful angelic uh, face. Yes. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, I was married um, almost forty years. It would have been forty years this this month. I got wow. married at. Um, I just turned nineteen. I have six grown kids. I have nine grandkids, all six and under. <gasps> Uh, been in ministry about 38 years, been children's pastors, youth pastors, evangelists, associate pastors, church planners, senior pastors, worked in media ministry, and had a complete emotional breakdown in the middle of all that at age 50 on a zip line in Costa Rica. I love that as an identifier. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Stay tuned to hear about Maureen's emotional breakdown. Not what we're going to talk about today, but we can't. No. Nope. What happened on the zip line? You have to tell them. Well, it was, I had just, I came to faith when I was 16 years old. Out of complete dysfunction and brokenness. We all have it. You know, childhood trauma, that kind of thing. But um, I thought coming to know Jesus was going to actually heal all of that mm -hmm. and give my life perfectness mm. perfectness as long as i did things perfectly oh gosh oh man so trying really hard memorizing the bible you know at 16 um doing all the right things i got saved you know when i was smoking a cigarette <laughs> I, I feel that. like, uh, remember so that real. story about that. Uh, Joyce Meyer? She would smoke a cigarette and do a Bible study. I would smoke cigarettes and, and read the word and everything. And then I'm like, oh, I'm not supposed to be doing this. 
And it wasn't because the Lord told me that. It was because the church I went to said, don't smoke. Don't smoke or you can't come to church. So I'm like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna mess this up. I'm going to do this perfectly. I was also going to have sex with my boyfriend. And then I got told not to do that. So I'm like, I cannot mess this up. Wow. So I go mm-hmm. at 16, I stopped smoking, I never partied, you know, go in, go to Oral Roberts University, just completely oh. sold out to Jesus. Because my life was so bad, and now it's so good, and now as long as I do it all right, this is going to be beautiful. Oh my gosh. And I met my husband, and he was like nobody else I'd ever known. And he, I thought, I'm gonna, I'm gonna marry somebody like this, so I'll never have a life like I had. Oh. And he had the big grin on his face, and there was just. N- nothing impossible and he's spontaneous and yeah he was a little bit reckless yeah he's a little bit childish yeah he played the fool but you know what I didn't have any childlikeness in my life I grew up very very early and I was very responsible so he added that dimension too and he was sold out to go into ministry and so that's what we did and we had six kids in 11 years and that's another story and in ministry all the time. And he traveled three weeks out of every month. And we moved, in the first 11 years of our marriage, we moved 25 times all across the country. Oh, my goodness. And chasing ministry. And I was angry and upset and alone and frustrated. But I had to keep it together because mm-hmm. it's for the gospel. Yeah. It's for God. And if You're I went perfect. to counselors or if I went to the pastors, they're like, you just need to pray more. You just need to submit. Oh. He's got a call of God Listen. in his life. You don't want to be stand in the way of, of that. I'm like, no, no, I don't. I want to do what God wants me to do because I want my life to go the way it needs to go. I don't want trouble here. I don't want to open the door. Oh. I want to be in alignment. So here we go. And so it just kept going and going and going and going. And I poured everything into my kids because I had really no connection with my husband. There was really no connection. He was never, he was never around. It was like he came in and he was like a fun uncle. Play with the kids, take them to Toys R Us, and then be on the next plane to, you know, Malaysia or India or wherever he was going. And so I just, I... I went from believing in uh, flourishing in the fullness, living in the fullness, to just got to survive. Just got to get through this. And when, you know, the kids sleep through the night, I'll do better. Mm. When Tim doesn't have to travel so much, it'll Mm. be better. When we can make more money, it will be better. It just, we were here, here, when this comes, Mm -hmm. it'll be better. When we, you know, get a better church or a better job or a better... Whatever it was. And so I lived my life like that. And then um, trying to do it all perfectly, though. So about the time we resigned our church, we'd we'd planted church and we resigned our church. Then um, my son, I have six kids, five daughters, one son. He's the fifth. He's not the baby. The baby was a real surprise. And um, he started getting into addiction. He was in middle school. He started using drugs. And 
course, just devastating to our family. Devastating. Didn't know what to do. It just, and it just disintegrated from there. And our whole life became about keeping Sam alive. Keeping my mm -hmm. son from going further and further and further. And nothing worked. And nothing we did worked. Um, and we ended up losing friends because what are you doing wrong as parents if your kid mm. is an addict? Yeah. Um, you know, we took him to counseling. We took him to um, deliverance yeah. uh, places. We took him. We, I read every book. I did everything I could think of doing. We tried tough love and embracing love, calling him into his identity, putting boundaries yeah. around him. Putting them, you know, in a wilderness camp. Oh, we did everything. Sounds we like we it. left no stone unturned. And he kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And then in, um, then right before I turned 50, I had just decided, I've worked so hard for so long and I'm just tired. And Jesus is the answer. He's just not mine. Hmm. If he was, how come my past still plagues me? I thought I was supposed to be a new creation. I thought old things were passed away. Mm -hmm. And they were actually freight training down on my life more intensely than they were when I was in my past. How come my present suffocates me? I feel like I can't get a breath. Mm -hmm. And how come my future terrifies me? Mm -hmm. What do I do with that? If I know Jesus is the answer... And I have no access to actually living wow. it out. It was something I believed. It was a stated belief, but it was not a lived-in belief. My girls started to see that this is not going well. So they thought, like we do, let's do something fun. <laughs> let's, let's have a vacation. Somehow vacations can heal our souls. Or so we think. So we go, they take me to Costa Rica. And one of the days, it was all a surprise, and one of the days they were going to push me out of my comfort zone. And I said, okay. But three things I never want to do. I never want to bungee jump, zip line, or skydive. I've done everything else I never wanted to do. Those are three things I never want to do. I'm terrified of heights. Please don't ever do that. Okay, Mom, we won't. And they scheduled a zip line in Costa Rica for my birthday and mm. told me, isn't this going to be fun? And as soon as I saw it, I got instantly angry in a way that was, I knew it was disproportionate, but it didn't matter. I started going off in my head. This is my entire life. I have to do what everybody else mm. tells me to do, wants me to do, tells me I, I should do, and I have to do it, and then I have to enjoy it, or oh, else oh. I'm not being grateful. And because they want me to do it, I have to do it. I can't say no. Or I get labeled. And so I get on, get all geared up for the zip line. I find out it's it's not one zip line, it's 14. 82, yeah. 14. Uh -huh. It was three hours of Costa absolute. Yeah. It was horrific. Now, other people might think, how cool. <gasps> not me. Not me. Nope. And I got on those and I would climb up to every platform. And think, all I got to do is get to the next one and I'll be fine. And I got to do it perfectly because I'm not going to get, you know, hung out there. 
Where you have, oh, he said, if you, if you don't do it right, you get stuck out there and you have to turn yourself around and monkey your way back at that. I ain't monkeying anywhere. So I, I did it. And about partway through, I heard the guy go, your mama has perfect form. And I go, no. And she goes, no, that's not perfect form. That's absolute fear. Which is just like, that's how I live my life. You said that or someone else? My daughter your said daughter. that. And it made me mad. I'm like, you know I'm terrified and yet you're making me do this. Mm-hmm. And you're telling me it's going to be good for me. I just got more and more and more and more angry. Until when I got off, went to the bathroom before we went back to the hotel, I started to cry. And I couldn't stop crying. Because, you know, you're not supposed to really be angry. And you're not really supposed to be sad, right? God's good. <laughs> why, why do these play into my life at all? And I couldn't stop crying. And I got in the tram and I'm still crying. And I hear people talk about the ocean and the giant butterflies and the birds and the beauty. And I'm like, what? I didn't see a thing. Not one thing. And it was in that moment I said to the Lord, what's wrong with me? Do you know? And he goes, Mm. I do. I said, what? And it was just like he didn't talk to me. It was like I came to understand I've lived my whole life like I went through that zip line. Yeah. Oh, wow. If I just, I'm yeah. here, if I just need to get there. And miss everything. Miss everything. Oh. And just trying to do it perfectly. And no matter how perfectly I do it, there's still another platform. Wow. And so that started, a, that was my, the beginning of my unwinding and unraveling. Wow. And it's been almost nine years, and my life has not actually, on the external, not gotten better at all. But internally, God began to heal me. I asked him if he would help me, and he said I would. He would. He just didn't help me the way I thought he would. I thought he was going to sprinkle magic fairy dust over me and clear up my life. (laughs) I did not know what it meant. He was going to make it harder. Yeah, I didn't know he was going to allow all of the stuff that never should have been there to actually have to come yeah. to the surface to be dealt with. I didn't know that. Yeah. Which segues into. Right. Right. So Jess, you're just meeting Maureen, even though I've <sighs> wanted to connect the two of you for a while. And so I kind of know her story, but I feel like just in light of us talking about working with people in affairs and especially like current event, um, you know, within the church and things like that, that we've just kind of highlighted in the series. It's, um, what questions might you have or what do you think you want to maybe know or talk about? I'm letting you kind of. Oh, my goodness. I know you're kind of shocked. That's a lot. It's a fabulous story. Just is like just to the point where you've brought us. Right. I'm, I'm visualizing you being on, mm-hmm. you know, this this zip line after zip line. And I, I said it out loud, not even meaning to, but like that had been your life. Yeah. Right. And so the thing that I thought whenever you said kind of leads us up to, which obviously we're talking about infidelity today, it just made me think about how do you then get off the zip line? What is that even like to, you know, I work with a lot of women in my practice, probably 85, 90%. I work in a birth center. Um, I'm in women's, um, you know, counseling and work all the time, work with a lot of women that have been in like narcissistic relationships that are in narcissistic abuse recovery with me. And so, you know, just that visual, I'll probably use it now in in counseling because that visual of platform to platform, then whenever you talked about the ocean and the birds, I was just like, that's incredible because, 
you know, those women that are in those types of relationships, they are missing. They're missing all the yeah. beauty for mm-hmm. the for the survival aspect yep. of it. Mm-hmm. So I think if I could just narrow it down, I would ask you like 400 questions. But I think the thing I, I want to know just as a human, as a woman, what's it like to get off the zip line? Like, <laughs> like even, how? How do you live so many years of your life on the zip line, platform to platform, missing all the beauty? And then all, you got to get off of it. What yeah. was that like? That was um, excruciating. Oh. It wasn't this a place of like, oh, this feels like freedom. I'm off the zip line. Um, I was invested in that zip line. Ooh. My life was had meaning. My identity was in that zip line. Ooh. So getting off that zip line, this is it's nine years ago. It's nine years ago today I left for Costa Rica. Stop it. I just all of a sudden realized, yeah, it's nine years ago today. And that's that's not a divine appointment. (laughs) Yeah. And um, I didn't want um, necessarily to get off the zip line, so to speak. I wanted um, the zip line to just become easier or um, it to be worth it. Oh. I thought, I've done this for so long <sighs> that it's got to be worth it. I was, all, It was like holding God hostage. If I've done all this for you, then you make it worth it. Because I'm not for monkeying this. anywhere. Yeah, right? that's right. I'm not doing that. <laughs> There's no way I'm not monkeying back around to do this. Yeah. Um, so the the way I got off of it was not this intentional, oh, I'm going to do this thing. It was, my life was not working anymore. Everything that kept me on that zip line stopped working. Mm. Everything stopped working. And so it's like, six weeks later, my son overdosed for the first time. And I'm like, this is how you helped me, God. You said you'd help me. The very thing I've been fighting for, I'm sitting here and... He was in a coma for three days, and the doctors gave him four hours to live. They said, we can't do anything more. Now, he didn't die that day, but things did not get better either. And it was this place of, do I trust God? And I had to come. It was in that mo- in those four hours where, do you trust me? Which I thought was such an audacious, insulting, upsetting question that the Lord would ask me. I'm like, I, I did. And this is where it brought me. Now you're asking me, do I trust you? No, I actually don't. It was in that moment I brought my real self to him. I didn't Mm. realize for 34 years I'd brought my idealized version. I brought my perfected version. (sighs) I'm trying really hard so that you can be really pleased. Not understanding he was already pleased. Not understanding I was already loved. I didn't have that I didn't have that framework. I had that theoretically, but I did not live from that place. So that zip line was, this is how I'm pleasing God. This is how I'm living the life that is going to make it all worthwhile. (sighs) So my son overdosing and going into even deeper addiction and, and arrests and police and all sorts of things began to happen. My whole family started just um, disintegrating. I, the faster I grasped for it, the, the more it, it dissolved in my hands. And so getting off that zip line looked like 
I am going to um, leave my family. I never felt loved by my husband. Hmm. I never did. That's not true. When we were dating, I felt very loved. Love bombed. Mom. If yeah. anybody knows about narcissism, love bombing, there's nothing like it. It's like, you feel so important and you feel so beautiful and you feel so special. And it's like, I'd never felt that way before. So loved, loved, loved. We'd get married, what, two months in? I'm like, this is, where'd he go? Yeah, it was like, <laughs> what? But he's in ministry. So he You're needs, doing the great yeah, yeah. He still loves me. Yeah. I want to pause for a second because I think we have to say in this moment as this being a podcast for therapists, it's like Maureen is giving us such a vivid picture, word picture of probably so many clients that we have that will come into our office. Maybe it's not even for the infidelity thing, like in marriages and in, you know, spiritual abuse situations or even in, you know, forget if they're not even in the church. I think that there's still a standard in our society that says this is what a perfect wife and a perfect mother oh, yes. looks like. So it's like they're on a zip line thinking that once I get through this, it'll be there'll be a reward after the three hour zip line ride. Yes. And then you get you get to this place <laughs> in your relationship where you maybe face infidelity or you face an affair yeah. or you face so um something that goes wrong at over I mean, you have a lot of things you face, Marie. We've talked about this, but it's like you face something and then you're like, wait a cotton pick a minute. Like that's uh. not what should happen at the end of this. And I think as therapists, the understanding of the trauma yeah. in that moment is so crucial because so many people would just feel like, well, pick your bootstrap, put your big girl panties oh, on, yeah. da, 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 yeah. pray harder, you know, or whatever yeah. they want to say or do the work. I mean, I'm thinking of even taking it out of the church, the things the world says to do. Just suck it up, buttercup. And yeah. it's like, no. Yeah. Like, there's trauma happening in that moment. Mm -hmm. When you have this moment where you wake up and you just go, la, 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 la. Oh, yeah. wow. Things were not what I thought they were all this time. Yeah. Now what? Yeah. And I say to my clients a lot. When they're talking about, you know, the, the before the epiphany of like, oh, wow, it's been blank, right? You're talking about zip line after zip line. But you said something right at the beginning before you even got on your zip line. You were like, I was angry and uh -huh. I was feeling all these things. And uh -huh. I thought in that moment, like, I remember all, I'm thinking about all these stories that I've heard with, with clients of mine. And I'll say to my clients, that was the point where you said, I'm going to betray my own body. Exactly. Right. And so you gave a picture, so right, of what these zip lines are like, but it gives a, you know, that's the micro. The macro was like you were living your life every day, betraying your own body, betraying your own instincts, betraying mm -hmm. your own, you know, your gut about how things were, even like, oh, he loves me, but he's in ministry. Yeah. Rather than like, but, but this is what it feels like for yeah. me. And that matters. That counts. Yeah. But over a long period of time, I think you said 30 years, something like that. That was at that point. 31 years now it's been 30 years living in that betraying your body over and over and over yeah. and then all of a sudden having this real life experience that just pushes you right into reality says you can't, can't be in denial anymore you've lived your life in fear sweetheart would you like yes. to get off the platform yes <laughs> i mean i imagine a lot of tears came a lot of anger was released Lots. in that adrenaline that had been all pent up in your body for so long just like suppressed over and over mm-hmm the unraveling of like, where have I betrayed my own body? Mm -hmm. yeah. Where are you, husband? Where have so you protect been? Me. Uh -huh. Where have you been betraying me? Uh -huh. Right? 
which are questions we can't ask when we're doing when we're having perfect oh, form. Oh, that's oh, exactly right. right. That's we can't exactly right. No. Uh-uh. Mm. Because if you ask those questions, guess what? That zipline might stop and you might be You're hanging out. You're going to monkey in your way. There you go. And he's not going to monkey you. No. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so I really want you to tell. I know, oh my gosh, we could have Maureen on. We're going to bring Maureen back, actually, because um, she and I talk a lot about narcissism. And she's a coach, but she's done a ton of research on it, and we've talked a lot about it. And I think we do a summer series on narcissism. She'll probably join us just yes, on the regular. Yes. But um, one of the things I wanted to mention was, so I've been friends with Maureen as she's walked through kind of this unveiling of what the truth was. And unfortunately... It's like whack-a-mole. Something new pops up every time I see her. And so, but I want you to tell the story of like, when you felt the Lord lead you to walk down Main Street, because I just think it's so profound. And I find that most people that I talk to who've had experienced infidelity in some Uh way have had a moment like this where they've just felt led to do something Mm -hmm. out of the ordinary. Yeah. So I'll let you share that story because I think it's really good. All right, so over all the years, I just always felt something. I always felt there was somebody else in the relationship. And it, I justified it as ministry. But there were times that, you know, I'd, I'd ask, did something happen on a trip? Like, it wasn't that mm. I, did, I was blindsided. But there was also this part I was really invested in. No, that could not be. I'm critical. Um, I'm too, you know, I'm always looking for something. So um, back uh, about a year ago right now, I was like, God, whatever, whatever is going on, I've had enough loss and enough stuff. You brought me through it. I just want to know the truth. I don't want to live in this. Yeah. Um, knowing, but quagmire. not knowing. Yeah. yeah. Whatever it in is, between. Just I'm going to trust that you're going to walk me through it. Yeah, powerful things happen whenever you say to the Lord, yeah. pull me out of denial, oh, please. Boy. Yes, pull me out of denial because he's reality. Jesus is reality. So and I realized I had spent my life, lots of my life, at odds with reality mm. because it didn't line up with what I wanted it to be. So I would pull myself and and fight against reality. And he's truth and he's reality. So. I got I to gotta repeat that. She said, I spent most of my life at odds with reality. Because I feared, say that again, because I feared like that what it would be. What, yeah. What like it, would it be. didn't fit in the paradigm uh-uh. of perfect. Uh-uh. Yeah. So how many people do we meet that probably live their whole life not thinking about reality because it doesn't fit within their paradigm? Oh, so you can't go there. Oh, boy. And I hadn't had this picture perfect life, but I really needed it to end well. <laughs> I just did. I just needed and so something. That's what I was looking for. That was that platform. It's gonna end well. It's gonna do this. And so um it was July eleventh, two thousand twenty-two. It was a Monday morning. I got up to go babysit my two year old grandson right before my daughter was having her second baby. And my husband called me, as he did usually every morning. And it was about 7.50 in the morning. Hey, what are you doing? I said, I'm getting ready to go babysit Zeke and everything. And it just struck me. Why does he always want to know where I am and what I'm doing? 
I never get a straight answer where he is. Mm. It's always this vague. He goes, oh, I'm in California. I said, oh, really? I didn't know he had flown to California. Because he had actually moved in with a friend to help. He didn't want to put his family through any more whiplash because he was having a drinking problem. So that, that had just happened a couple months before. So he's in California. I said, what are you doing up so early? Because it's 545 in California. I'm not stupid. <laughs> and he goes, oh, well, I'm just walking on the beach. I'm like, in the dark? <laughs> and he goes, oh, I love it in the dark. It doesn't sound like you're at the beach. Like, I'm pushing. I'm pushing. And he goes, okay, well, I got to go. Have a good day. Hang up the phone. You got too close. I'm hanging yeah. up now. So I get in the car and I pull out of... um our place, and I drive up to the intersection at Dallas Road and Main Street in Grapevine, and I felt the whole, I felt the Lord said, "Turn right and go to Main Street Bistro." And I'm not thinking anything onomous. I'm thinking, I'm gonna get oh, some eggs. Uh, you know, maybe the Lord has something for me there. Maybe somebody has a word for me, or there's a divine connection. Maybe somebody has money. I don't know. <laughs> This is a fun adventure. <laughs> so I just drove, parked the car, and go in. It was a, just a lovely day, and I'm just bebopping in there. I thought, at ah, worst case scenario, they have great cappuccinos. And I walked in, and sitting up at the bar, two people, my husband and another woman, cuddled up, drinking Bloody Marys. And my whole life made sense in that moment. And I walked behind them, <laughs> and I just stood there. <laughs> and my husband caught my eye, and his eyes went big as saucers. She whipped her chair around and said, can I say this? Yes, okay. say it. And said, what are you looking at, you self-righteous bitch? And I just said, wow. And I walked out. Because she'd never seen me, or didn't know me. Those were my Did husband's she know words. Who, oh, she didn't. She knew who you were. Oh, but yeah. Didn't know oh, her. she knew who I was. But those were my husband's words. They're, so trying to put you back uh -huh. in the box. Mm -hmm. I walk out and my husband comes running after me. She's my counselor. She's my counselor. She probably is. <laughs> oh. I go. Wow. Okay, and on that note, ethics, um, rule number, you you know Bloody Marys with your clients cuddled up at a bar, okay? If you don't know that about ethics, just letting you know that's not in the ethical code in any There'll state. be a test on this later. There'll be a test on this later. Do not cuddle up at the bar with the Bloody Mary ever with the client, okay? Okay. And subsequently, later that afternoon when he came by to once again say I misunderstood because I was always misunderstanding I was always misunderstanding I misunderstood he happened to just leave his phone on the counter while he took the trash out which never happened and I have never looked through his phone in all the 40 years I've been with him and I looked through and there there she is there's her name. They went to Cabo the week before together. There is sexting on there. There is everything on there. And when he walked in, I just held the phone and I just looked at him. And he had the nerve to blame me. How dare. 
How dare I invade his privacy? How dare I not trust him? I don't get it. I don't understand. I'm reading it through my anger and my frustration. Yeah. And so... Sounds like it. It just... Those dick pics just just, got on there. Those dick pics just came... You didn't see that. There's nothing. I send pictures like that to my therapist all the time. I'm sorry. Also, that is an ethical violation. (laughs) (laughs) Ethical code number. Do not send nudes to your therapist. And he said, don't tell anybody, don't tell anybody, don't tell the kids to try to get them on your side and play the victim. And if you do try to tell anybody, nobody will believe you because everybody likes me and they don't like you. And they know you're emotional and they know that you are critical. And it was the first time in my life that my family... My future did not matter more than reality. And reality was my marriage was a sham. And I had been trying to hold it together all by myself these Mm. years. For seven people. Uh Uh-huh. And if I stayed in this, I would live out of um, a facade. I would live in brokenness and I would live out of a victim mentality. I had been victimized, but I was not a victim. Mm. And I had to make that decision that day. And I started to tell the truth. And I started to um, not just try to deal with it myself. And here we are. Here we are. Almost divorced. Yeah. In the very But you final filed stages. really quickly after that. Yeah, I filed um I filed within a week. Yeah. Yeah. He disappeared, he went back out to California, couldn't find him. So I lured him back by saying we needed to talk and discuss and he said, Are you gonna are you gonna give me a chance to explain and everything? And I said I would. That was the only way I could get him back so that I could get him served. I filed, and that was that was it. Now, as much as well, that I knew at that moment, that didn't mean it wasn't painful. That yeah, didn't course, mean yeah. I didn't feel betrayed and discarded and um, all the things. That didn't mean there wasn't grieving. That didn't mean um, there wasn't anger. That didn't mean. And a lot of people, because he's so charismatic, they did continue to believe that I was the one who had misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Which is so hard. Yeah. And I think and I think the thing with this with infidelity anytime, I mean it's not everybody's story, you know, that they walk out a week later and file for divorce. I mean some people, you know, get right back on the zip line, mm-hmm. which and, and again, there's no judgment of that. I think as therapists we can't say like get off get which on. way to go. Yeah. We can't. Like mm-hmm. we can't tell them what to do in any capacity. But I think it's what I've loved to see in knowing you is just the real you emerge and be like, you know, obviously friends like drawn to that and like mm-hmm. so excited to see what's next for you and see you living life to the fullest. And um, even though navigating all of this mess and muck and mire, but it's like in that 
you're still finding your identity. And I think that's the goal of us is to help people see what's your identity. Mm-hmm. And if you've been riding a zip line, how do we help you climb down? How do mm-hmm. we say hanging out there is not the only option? Here's a ladder. Yes. And we'll stand at the bottom and catch you in the ladder yes. and we'll walk you back to the Jeep or wherever you are. You know, we'll yeah. walk you back. You're not stuck here. You don't yeah. have yeah. to keep swinging. Yeah. And, and I think that that's such a great analogy. And I think, um, you know, as therapists, it's just the rawness of your story makes me realize and only tap into one of my strengths is individualization, meaning that I, I don't see everyone as the same. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't look at everyone the same way and say, oh, well, you're like you, like mm-hmm. you, like you. Because I think there's such uniqueness. And I think even in your story, that's highlighted for me is like how just real that we have to dive in there with people's story and really get the context of it and help them walk through it, whatever they choose. And I think it, and the Lord almost prepared you choosing mm-hmm. that you were going to get off the zip line. Mm-hmm. You thought you were going to get off of it with him and with mm-hmm. your kids I and did. all the things. But I feel like the Lord had other plans to say, no, we're getting you off, getting you off for real. Yeah. Like we're taking you to a whole other place and yeah. not letting you even try to get back up the stairs. Yeah. You know, and I think as therapists, that's our role. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you could see Jess right now, she's just very mesmerized by the story. Uh, her brain is going 99 miles an hour. It, it all absolutely the, is. I, I can see all the angles that you're thinking about. Of it's like, so true. Uh-huh. You're such a good of, people reader. Of questions you want to ask Marine, deeper places you want to go, looking uh-huh. at the time, being like, we all have things. to stop soon. We don't uh, want to. It's very true. Mm-hmm. It's very true. The you know, if I can't ask just one more question. Absolutely. The thing that I thought at the end of your story where you, you know, you're, you're choosing yourself for the first time, mm-hmm. right? And you're like, I'm going to live in reality. And, mm-hmm. and I'm assuming, I don't know, but I'm assuming at some point you found your voice, you got a little loud about what happened. Yeah. Ringing question through my body was, what was it like to have people still not believe you? Oh, Yeah. Ugh. And you don't even have to answer it, but... And what are their names, and where can we punch them <laughs> in the face? You don't have to answer it, because... But... Where can we invite them so that we can hurt them badly? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But for real, like, I'm thinking about hearing... I am a counselor, so I'm just hearing the story, and I'm thinking about the process. Yeah. Of what it takes to get to this place where you're literally standing in your, your kitchen or wherever you were, yeah. holding this phone, seeing what you're seeing, just, just being, like, thrust into reality it wasn't like you know a titrate in it was like you're you're there you're in this cafe you you see them you know and he's chasing after you saying you don't know you don't really know you're you're not and we didn't even like dance and talk about the fact that he's not even in california (laughs) i know right (laughs) you're walking on the shores of grapevine lake is that where you were oh sorry i just have to say that for real but, well, that's how narcissists work, though. That is just a yeah. whole nother. We were doing a summer series on narcissism. We should go, well, way deep into all of that. But to think about your process, you know, we use the, the analogies of getting off the zip line and, and you finding your voice. You've got that phone. You see it all. It's like, could not be more clear, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You could not, it could not be more clear what was going on. And then the the the, the fight, right? The, the release of, I'm not going to betray myself anymore. And I, mm-hmm. and I have to tell the truth. And how brave that is, how yeah. hard it is yeah. to be that kind of vulnerable whenever you've lived so protected and really so inauthentic, but you weren't trying to be on inauthentic. Yeah. I think maybe doing without even realizing that you were doing 
working to protect him too. Oh yeah. The other question that I'd have that I'm not going to make you answer either is, but like, how long did you really know? Right. That it had to be like this level of real for you to say, I'm going to say what I've known because I've worked with so many women that will be like, I knew in my gut or I knew in my spirit five years before, Mm -hmm. 10 years before. And it's just like, it builds and builds and builds and builds and builds until it's just kind of like freight train. And we talked in our other episode about being blindsided that some Mm -hmm. people are absolutely Mm -hmm. blindsided about, they do not know. And they're just blindsided. And then there's other people that they're like, Oh, I knew, but I didn't want to know what I knew. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I just so I got the next so I, thing and swung just, to the next platform, next zip line. Yep. So you don't have to answer them, but if you want to, you could either one of those. And if you say I decline, then we'll end and we'll be done. Mm. But. No, I'll answer how it felt to not be believed. Um, it was um, at first, it just felt um, fe- um, defeating. <sighs> That's I guess I would say I felt defeated. Because it was like, I knew this would happen. It was that I knew that I'd be alone in this. Mm. That lie really Mm. came up. I'm alone in this. Nobody's going to believe me. Like it was what he said. The first person that I actually told was his accountability person. And kind of like his pastor over him. And the first thing he did was um, say called Tim and then called me back and said, Tim says you're exaggerating and everything. And I said, I have pictures. I have the proof. This isn't, and he goes, I think you might uh, be a little bit um, just angry. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. then it goes, oh, I can't trust men in the church either, that they're going to cover for themselves. It's the boys club. Mm. And I quickly had to put that down and go, that's actually not true. That the, There's going to be people who believe and there's going to be people that don't. And I don't need to worry about the ones that don't. I just need to be around the ones that do. And so that was that that was a, um, a new place for me to begin to walk. It was a new path to walk. The hardest thing was um, my son didn't believe. My son didn't believe mm. me. And um, my son sided with my husband. And so that was that was hard to to navigate because yeah. I thought as long as, you know, I can keep the kids intact and, yeah. and keep that part of our family together and to be able to go, you know what, I'm not in charge of the outcome of any of this. If it's true that the truth sets us free, then I'm going to really have to believe that. And I'm going to have to trust that more than what I can do mm-hmm. to um, tidy up the truth, keep the Plate oh, spinning, idea you know, um, beautify things that aren't beautiful. And so um, it's given me a place. The first time I told somebody that um, with Tim sitting right beside me, well, my husband sitting right yeah. beside me, the first time, because he was trying to keep the facade going and he thought that I would, for business purposes, keep it going. And I said, you know what, all of this that he's talking about, it's all a sham. And I just said, right Ooh. there. And I said, I actually just caught him in an adulterous affair, and he's an alcoholic. And sat back and took the risk. And I felt p- 
powerful oh, in my life. I love that. Like, I didn't realize how powerless mm, I felt in my marriage. Yeah. I felt powerful in other areas of my life. Oh. I'd taken back my identity in other places, but not in my marriage. And I felt powerful. I felt like a person. Oh. I didn't feel like a host to a parasite. <clears throat> and so I was like, I can take people not believe in me. This is... This, this is what's killing me. Yeah. So, yeah, that was... Oh, so good. That, and that, and it's continued. And then have people like you who are like, oh, yeah, you know, Cassie, she believes. There's other people that are like, oh, I saw this. Then you want to punch. Can we I'm bring like, them? well, why didn't you tell Can me? Can we bring them to yeah, punch them like in the, the face and be like, people. why didn't you warn a sister? <laughs> yeah. And what was your second question? I was going to answer both. Oh, man, what was it? It was a good one, too. Um... Oh, whenever oh, when you first... didn't, did I know? Yeah, yeah. When did you know? I, I, I now know that I knew that Tim was using me as a front the day I had my first child 38 years ago. Hmm. I knew. And I was going to leave then. Why and I was you? 20 years old. Um, his dad died suddenly. And I felt sorry for him. Mm. The enmeshment continued. Ugh. Then we had the child. Then we had then another child. Yeah. Then I was told, you know, um, I would ruin his ministry. Then I was told this. Then this happened. Then next then, platform. Mm -hmm. Next platform. Mm -hmm. Next platform. But I knew. Now that might sound like, oh, now I have thirty-eight years of regret. I actually don't. The Lord has actually showed me the the learning places, and I, I'm not walking away with regret as much as I am with wisdom. Wow. And that only the Lord can do because I've had mm -hmm. most of my life has been regret. I wish I would have. If only I had have. I needed to pay attention. Mm. Um, but, you know, I just, I'm like, no. And now my life makes sense. Yeah. Like all that stuff was like yeah. nailing jello to a wall and it made me feel crazy. But now I'm like, I wasn't crazy. Yeah. I mm -hmm. saw so that's really good what she said. I think it's a good way to kind of cap it off. She said, I'm not living my life in regret, but I'm living my life with looking at the wisdom that I gained through the trauma, through mm -hmm. the issues, through all mm -hmm. of the things. And I think more than that, I feel like authenticity and truth don't bring regret. They bring wisdom. They do. So true. And I feel like that's maybe what uncovering affairs and working people yes. through adultery is about it's finding the nuggets of wisdom not looking at the platforms that we stood on because that's not helpful yeah that's not, you know that's, that's not, not helpful, helpful to the process but it's like and i know not everyone will walk through it with such grace and dignity like you do but it's like that that they can find those nuggets of hope and truth regardless of the outcome is the wisdom the pieces where they learn about themselves not about their marriage, not about someone, their partner, but about themselves. Yeah. And and redemption doesn't mean just your marriage comes back together. Mm -hmm. Redemption can take on... Redemption is in God's hands, not in ours. It's what he does. And divorce, while God hates divorce, yeah. Because he hates what it does to men's hearts. He hates but the use of marriages too. Yes, he does. And he makes provision for divorce because of the hardness of men's hearts. We didn't have to go this way. Right. There were choices. I cannot trump the free choices of right. the human agency of Tim. I can't do it. So what am I going to do with what I can control? And I can control 
what I'm going to choose. And I'm going to choose life. I chose death over and over and over, hoping that it would turn into life. Yeah, you said that, hoping um, that it would get better. Yeah. And I I ask my clients that a lot too. Cassie might do that as well. I'll say, can you define your better? Mm -hmm. What is that? Because Mm -hmm. if we're just saying, I'm... You know, I'm reaching for this. I'm reaching for that. I'm just hoping that it, you know, gets healthier. I'm hoping that define that mm-hmm. because if you're not like? defining yeah. that, you will just go platform to platform, hoping mm-hmm. for this right. fantasy, right? Mm-hmm. Not living in denial. And so often the betterness comes by pulling yourself Definition. out of the denial, yeah. Yeah. right? When you pull yourself out of that denial, sometimes it's the Lord. Sometimes it's just our own wisdom yeah. from the history that we've lived through. That's like, this is how it would get better, yeah. right? Are you willing to partner with what it's going to yeah. take? To move you through what might might often be worse than what you're currently living in to get you to the other side of better. That's right. That's what therapy does too. Mm-hmm. I tell my clients all the time. You know, I'm my job is to make it worse before I make it better. Yeah. Because it will. Because that that little part right there, that quote unquote little, where you are helping a person get pulled out of denial and into reality and finding their voice and finding kind of their own safe places, their own safe people. You know, that is just like, that can be a monumental task, especially when there's so much enmeshment, there's so much connected in the relationship yeah. between the victim and abuser. Yeah. It's amazing that you were able to get out. Yeah. It, it really is. It, it is. It, I, I consider it miraculous. Yeah. Able to get out because Jesus can only come to be with us where we are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I wouldn't allow myself to actually be there. I wanted him to be yeah. where I wanted well, yeah. to yeah. be. Mm-hmm. Like he's on the last platform. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come here. So it's, yeah. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much for telling Absolutely. your story. Thank I you. mean, like, obviously you're one of my closest because of your vulnerability and because you call good things in me and we let me call it things in you. And I just think, but I think for people to hear just the vulnerability and what you've walked through is yeah. powerful. And um, I honor that. And I'm grateful just for people to, to hopefully take nuggets of wisdom from you and from what you've said and just even to highlight that this is real. I mean, it's real in the church. It's real in the world. It's real everywhere. And you just really put such great word pictures to things that probably a lot of people are feeling. Mm, Thank you. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you.